Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 164. I'm your host, Derek Moore. This week, I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive. And you might say, well, haven't you been talking about bonds and inflation a lot? Yeah, sure we have. But I've had a, a number of people ask me, they say, look, I see stuff on TV and they talk about how interest rates are causing bonds to go down and, and this and that. And I hear about the 40-year bull market and bonds. And then I hear about this negative real returns and stuff. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity to take a moment to just explain the why. Why bonds go up or down with changes in inflation. And it, it's sort of rare to have negative return years, uh, especially if you look at something like the U.S. Aggregate Bond Index. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But when we look at a bond, and let's just use a, a 30-year U.S. Treasury bond, okay? And I've mentioned before on the show the idea of uh, the effective duration or modified duration. Sometimes they call it Macaulay duration. And these are all ways, when we say duration in bonds, what we're really saying is, what is the risk for every 100-point 100 basis point change in interest rates. And 100 basis points is 1%. So, uh, you know, 1% one, 1 equals 100 basis points. If say 100 basis points, it's equal to 1%, okay? 50 basis points would equal to a half percent. And traders sometimes, you know, they re instead of saying basis points, it takes a lot to say that, they'll say BIPs, 50 BIPs, 100 BIPs. 100 BIPs, that equals 1%. So, okay, so let's just look at that 30-year treasury bond. And if you have a 30-year treasury bond, you buy it today, you buy it for $1,000, and let's say the coupon rate is 10%. So 10% means you get 10% of the par value of $1,000 uh, each and every year. And treasury bonds pay twice a year. So you get you know, one payment, and then six months later, you get the second payment, but a coupon rate is based upon the annual percent of par value. So if you buy the bond at 50 and the coupon is 10%, it's still paying off $1,000. That's the par value. The market value is something different. So we have this bond, 30-year bond, coupon rate is 10%. And we're going to assume that the required rate of return right now is 10%, meaning you own the bond, you bought it for 1000 it's paying 10%. And you're going to get 10% a year or a hundred bucks. Great. And by the way, new bonds that are being issued, they're at that same 10%. So interest rates really haven't changed. The, uh, the demanded rate of return is equal to it. Okay. Everything's really easy up to this point. So with a 10% coupon means you get a hundred bucks a year, the next 30 years, pay a thousand dollars. At the end of 30 years, you get your thousand dollars principal back unless the U.S. government defaults highly unlikely, or if they ever did, we'd have other issues. So what is the risk of a, if interest rates go up or if they go down? Okay. If interest rates go down, uh, it means your bond price will go up. Why? Because you have the higher coupon. If interest rates go up, your bond price goes down. How would you know how much it goes down? Well, that's what we call the modified duration. And if you look at the modified duration, 
And you can actually do this in Excel. So if you're doing Excel, you can do equals M duration, and then you, you put in a bunch of this stuff. But I'll tell you, it's about nine and a half, 9.5. So what does that mean? Well, it means if interest rates go up exactly 100 basis points or 1%, same thing, you would expect the value of your bond to decline about 9.5%. You take the duration by the interest rate move, all right? Now, you might say, well, what if interest rates go up 5%? Can I still use that 9.5%? Not exactly, because that is sort of the, the duration for each 100 basis point interval. And then you start to bring convexity in with bonds and uh, the rate of change on that. But let's not go there yet. Okay, so... If I lose uh, about 9.5% on my $1,000 bond, I lose about $95, right? And so if interest rates went up by 1% and I lose $95, now my $1,000 bond is worth uh, $905. Okay, fair enough. So let's change it over and let's pretend just for argument's sake, and the interest rate on the 30-year treasury right now, 30-year treasury is about uh, 2.6, something like that. So same thing, buy a $1,000 bond, coupon rate's 1%, and this time we're going to say the required return is 1%. So brand new bonds are coming out, still 1%, great. The modified duration on that is actually... 25.8. You're like, whoa, wait a second. I thought you said the modified duration was nine and a half. Okay. Well, the reason why it's higher is because the coupon was so much lower. And by the way, I'll get to this in a second. I'm just doing 30 year to 30 year right now. So if you lose 25%, it means your $1,000 bond goes down to, uh, you know, under 750 so if we take the uh, the twenty five point eight percent, and we say by a thousand, you lose two hundred fifty eight dollars. So your bond would be worth seven hundred forty two dollars. Now you're like, wait a second. It's, both of these are thirty year to maturity bonds, but why does one have so much risk than the other? And the easy thing for me to say would be, well, it's modified duration, effective duration, any of those, you know, du it's duration is much higher. So, but what's, what's the why behind that? The why behind that really goes to the cash flows. And when you have a higher coupon, you're getting paid more every six months than you are if you have a low coupon. So let's, let's take the same example. Let's assume on the 30-year bond at 10%, you're going to own it. Next 30 years, you're going to keep it. And then at maturity, you get your $1,000 par value back. Along the way, though, at a 10% coupon, you're getting $100 a year in interest. And so every 10 years, you're getting 1000 bucks. So 100 bucks a year. So after five years, that's 500 After 10, that's 1000 After 20, that's, that's 2000 After 30 years, you've collected $3,000 of cash flows before you got that thousand dollars in, in par value back. Let's look at the 1% bond now. 
All right. Instead of 100 bucks a year, you're getting $10 a year. After 10 years, you have only collected $100. Think about that. 10 years, only $100. In our other example, you had $100 after year one. In fact, after 10 years, you got your initial investment back. So let's say if the U.S. government defaults after 10 years on 10%, you would have gotten your money back. At least you would have, in theory, been lost zero. Of course, you know. So the reason why I wanted to go through this, because everyone throws around the term duration, and I wanted to give you sort of an example. And the example is it lies in the cash flows. It lies in the cash flows. And the higher the coupon rate, the more cash flows you're getting along the way. And that's why a zero coupon bond, zero coupons don't pay any interest. You just buy it, and then eventually the price goes to, to par value. Assume you bought it you know, under par, and you get your $1,000 back. So if you buy it for $300 and you redeem it at $1,000, you know, it's a zero coupon. You're not getting any payments. All right? So I mentioned earlier how the coupon rate and the time to maturity both affect how much interest rate risk you have in a bond. So lower duration bonds, I shouldn't use the word term duration, lower time to maturity bonds do have less sensitivity to risk. And it's why you see on CNBC, everybody's saying, well, you know, I, I believe we should go to short duration bonds if interest rates are going to be rising. So remember I told you the duration, the effective duration on those bonds. Well, if I had a 10-year bond, a 10% coupon, it's about 6.3, 6.2, uh, the modified duration. That 1% bond would be, you know, a little under nine and a half duration. And so their interest rates go up by 100 basis points or 1%. That's about what you'll lose, okay? So your interest rate risk is a function of how high or how low the coupon is. The coupon is the amount of interest you get every year versus the time to maturity. The higher the coupon and the lower the time to maturity, the less interest rate risk you have. The lower the coupon and the higher time to maturity, the more interest rate risk you have. When we say duration, duration does not equal time to maturity. Duration is really what we're saying, your, your interest rate sensitivity, your sensitivity to interest rate risk. And it's one of the reasons why, even though we were having inflation, some of the TIPS uh, complex, the TIPS bonds, they have duration as well, meaning interest rates go up, bond prices go down, even if they are getting adjustments for uh, changes in the CPI. I did another episode, uh, Marcel Benjamin, who is a senior strategist, uh, a bond strategist, was my guest. I'll link to that in the show notes. We, it's really just a, uh, a masterclass in bonds. Uh, now, we haven't mentioned, uh, let's say, default risk, because we're using, at least in our discussion so far, we're using U.S. Treasury bonds, where the implied rate of default or, or the, the expectation of default is very, very low, uh, because we control our own currency, we can print more money, uh, get, doesn't address the fact you could have inflation or you could make the currency less uh, worth less, but that's neither here nor there. And in the market, there is a 
a risk premium on different levels of bonds. That's why high-yield bonds or junk bonds pay a higher uh, interest rate than, let's say, U.S. Treasuries because their, their default rates or the default risk is considered higher. So I hope that, at least so far, that makes sense. But the why behind it, the why behind the interest rates uh, risk is so high when you have lower coupons is that it's your cash flows. And what I told you, 10%, you get 100 bucks a year. 1%, you get $10 a year. So it's when you're getting that money. Now, the other thing that I haven't talked about yet is, is the you're hearing a lot about real returns or after inflation. And the reality is if inflation's 8.5% over the last year and your bond is only giving you 2.5%, you've lost purchasing power because your quote-unquote real return after inflation is negative. The back-of-the-napkin way of doing this is simply to take uh, the return that you get minus the inflation rate. So if you get 10%, inflation's 5%. Back-of-the-napkin, back-of-the-envelope, the quick math is, uh, you know, you only made 5%, not 10%, because everything went by by 5%. The actual way you would figure that is you would do one plus the decimal of your return divided by one plus the decimal of the rate of inflation. So 10% return, 5% inflation, 1.10 divided by 1.05, you actually get 1.0476 minus one. Your real return's about 4.76%, okay? I'm not going to get into why it's not not exactly the difference. Uh, uh, maybe I'll save that for another episode. But um, that's how you do the real return. And that's another reason right now that people on TV are talking about, well, after inflation, bonds really aren't giving you anything. Uh, the reality is, if I look at the, the U.S. aggregate bond index, which is a combination of uh, a little bit of treasuries, you have investment grade, corporates, you might have some mortgage-backed securities, you know, any number of things in there. And if I look at that over the last uh, two years, well, year to date through March, the real return of the U.S. Uh, US aggregate total return bond index, total return means assuming, you know, dividends and reinvesting, is minus 8.4%. 2021, it was minus 5.3%. But even 2017, 18, 19, 20, it was only a little bit, um, you know, half a percent in 17, less than that in 18. It was slightly negative in 19. Meaning after inflation, bonds really haven't been giving you much real return. But at the same time, as we just talked about, duration, interest rate risk has been higher. Okay. Remember, we think about duration. Why does duration go up when coupons are lower? Well, because cash flows are involved. You're not getting that much cash. And why is it that you're the longer time to maturity, the more interest rate risk you have? Well, think about it. If you buy a bond right now for 30 years and you get 2.5% and rates go up to 10% or 5%, I'm not saying they're going to go there. Well, you essentially have money that you've loaned the U.S. government where your cash flows are going to be much less than the market rate of interest is right now. So that's, that's kind of how that goes.
All right. The other thing I talked about is the idea that it's pretty rare for, let's say, the U.S. aggregate bond index or a, a balanced portfolio of bonds to have negative years. And one of the reasons why that is, remember, I just taught you about duration and explained that. Guess what's been happening for the last 40 years? Bond rates have been coming down. Inflation has been coming down. Uh, not present, com present company excluded. But 1981, 1982, you could have bought a 30-year treasury, like 16%. Imagine that, buying a 30-year treasury and getting 16% annualized coupon payments uh, you know, every year and then reinvesting that. So remember, interest rates go up, bond prices go down, bond prices go down, interest rate. Okay, let me reset. Interest rates go up, bonds go down. Interest rates go down, bonds go up. The market value goes up. For 40 years, we had a bull market in bonds. So for 40 years, not only did you have a lot of periods with higher coupons, you also had interest rates falling which means that bond prices go up. And so I took a look, and I'm, and I'm going to do this on the U.S. Aggregate Bond Index, but uh, Schwab released their, uh, their quarterly chart pack. And in that, they had the annual total return for a balanced portfolio of U.S. taxable bonds. And, and basically when they say that, it's the U.S. Aggregate Bond Index. They assume you reinvest the interest and... What happens? Well, if you look from 1981 through 19 or 2021, there's one, two, three, four down years. It's 40 years, four down years. And we're down year to date in bonds. Again, that's because interest rates have gone up. Interest rates go up, bond prices go down. And so the reason I say this, it's been pretty rare to have down years in bonds and when I say down years in bonds, I think 94 was probably the, the most down year on here. Now, uh, year to date, it's going to be higher than that. But, I mean, it wasn't down more than 5% on a total return basis. So this is the, the risk right now with higher rates. Lower coupons, more duration risk. And that's why I think, you know, 2021 was a down year. Year to date was a down year. I don't make predictions on market. That's why we, we buy markets uh, and we hedge. And we think hedged equity portfolios are a substitute for 60-40 portfolios, which rely on the, that 40% is relying on bonds. With that 40%, a lot of those comparables and a lot of the, the things people say, well, over the last, you know, 60 years, 60-40s return this. But bonds, interest rates over the last couple of years have never been this low. They haven't had this much duration or interest rate risk. And the reality is that on bonds, if you look, and I, I wish I could find it, but I know the, the CFA Institute had published some uh, a research paper on this. If you buy a, a bond and whatever the yield to maturity is, more than likely your annualized compounded growth rate, your annualized return over the next decade after you buy that bond is pretty much going to be right around the yield to maturity. So bond yields are very low. Uh, interest rate risk is very high. 
And look, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, uh, but I can tell you, I wrote about this in my book, Broken Pie Chart. What a great, uh, would have been a good Easter gift, but you'll be maybe listening to this on Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day. One of the things I saw was that a lot of the bond total returns over the years are due to the, the coupons. And as I've said before, in the 1970s, interest rates went up, but the coupons were so high. The coupons were so high, they were offsetting a lot of that market value risk of higher rates. So I hope this, uh, this gives you a little bit more background on what it is that everybody's talking about. And I hope that I was able to explain this interest rate risk and this duration. If I did the actual formula, most of you would fall asleep. You can do it in Excel. Uh, but most, by the way, a lot of bond ETFs and mutual funds, they may post on their fact sheets the, they call it the effective duration, some call it the modified duration. And if you look on there, you may be able to see what your bond fund, what your interest rate risk is on that fund. And finally, I did mention the yield to maturity. And here's what happens. So there's existing bonds that are out there. There's new bonds that are being posted. And here's the deal. When interest rates go up and bond prices go down, the yield to maturity, all else equal, means the same credit rating, the same default risk, the same time to maturity. Uh, whether you have bonds with really high coupons or low coupons, uh, the yield to maturity sort of evens out along all of those. And so some you might buy at a discount. You might buy that one at $750 we talked about uh, if interest rates went from one to two. And you might buy a new bond at a 2% at par value. In other words, you buy one at 750 with a 1% coupon that doesn't mature for 30 years. You buy another one for $1,000 that has a 2% coupon, doesn't mature for 30 years. The yield to maturity is going to be right around 2% there, okay? I'm not going to get into all that, but that's why uh, when people buy bonds, they look at that yield to maturity because the yield to maturity is, a, is the annualized yield going out to maturity, and it assumes you're not going to have a default, meaning the, the company or the government can't pay you. But that tells you whether it's from the coupon or whether it's from an appreciation if you're buying a bond at a discount to get to par value eventually at maturity, or if you're buying a bond at a premium, uh, as interest rates have gone down for 40 years, if you search, there's a lot of bonds that are trading above par and they have higher coupons. So that will come down towards par uh, closer you get to maturity, but at the same time, you're getting the coupon. My point there is that you might say, well, who would ever buy a bond that has a lower interest rate? Well, typically you get a discount. And that's the other reason why Bonds reprice their market values based upon the prevailing rates in the market of what investors are requiring the all else equal bond, right? Same time to maturity, same credit risk, all that type of stuff. And so people are buying and selling these bonds. Uh, they trade at a discount, they trade at a premium, but at the end, it's that yield to maturity. And I hope that makes sense. Uh, I try not to get too far in the weeds on this. I try and give you practical uh, examples that hopefully make things a little easier to understand. But look, I know a lot of talk right now in the news, you're hearing terms like convexity and you're hearing about uh, duration and interest rates and yield curve and all this type of stuff. And by the way, we haven't even touched on mortgage-backed securities. You know, mortgages are interesting 
in that as rates go up, their duration goes up. Well, wait a second. What does that mean? Well, think about what happens if you have a fund that holds a bunch of mortgage back. If you have a mortgage-backed security bond, okay, if you have a bond, and in that bond, it represents a bunch of different mortgages. Now, think about it. Most mortgages, if the interest rate goes down, people refinance. So think about that. You did a 30-year mortgage at uh, you know 5%, and now the rate's 3%. People are like, oh, that's interesting. I'll refinance that. Well, what are the mechanics of that? The mechanics are they have to, they refinance, they take out a new loan, and simultaneously the bank pays off the old loan. So they're prepaying their mortgage. So when rates are dropping, the duration in mortgage-backed uh, bonds is lower. When interest rates go up, people are less apt to refinance their mortgages. Like, why would you refinance? I have a, a 3% mortgage. It's now 5 Why would I refinance? Okay. What happens is, because they have what's called negative convexity. I'll leave that for another time. Convexity is very complicated. It just means that as interest rates move higher, the duration increases on mortgage-backed securities because you're not going to get as many prepayments. And I think that makes sense. If you know nothing about mortgage-backed securities or bonds or M, you know, MBS ETFs or, or mutual funds, just know you think that makes sense, right? People aren't going to prepay their mortgages and refinance if rates are going up. And so it, it's just an interesting thing and, and mortgage-backed uh, bonds act a little bit differently. Uh, D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at ZegaFinancial.com is how to reach me. Uh, you can give me suggestions like many of you gave me for this episode uh, for future podcasts. Or if you want to see how we buy and hedge and build portfolios, I'd love to discuss that with you as well. That's uh, D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at Zega. That's Z as in Zebra, E as in Eddie, G as in George, A as in April, Financial.com. Financial is up to you to spell correctly. And I'll put a link to a few of the things I mentioned in the show notes. And uh, I'll also put a link to my book on Amazon. I do have a, a chapter where I go into depth on bonds and talk about the problem of rising rates and what they could mean for, uh, for bonds returns going forward over the next decade. So hopefully you can uh, check that out or one of our old episodes. Uh, few, uh, we will have a few guests coming up in future weeks. Uh, I'm sure Jay will be back. I also have another guest. Uh, we're going to preview. We don't really do politics here, but the midterm elections do have implications for the markets. And so we're going to do a way too early uh, podcast where we look at some of the Senate races, uh, what typically happens in midterms of a president's first term, and maybe some of the implications and historical uh, things that have happened after midterm elections in markets with regards to return. So Hopefully, you'll keep joining us. And by the way, uh, rather than waste time rating and reviewing and starring, instead, please share this with someone who you think it might be of value. Uh, today, we really went kind of a deep dive and uh, got granular, but below the surface to help you understand what people are talking about on TV and what they're writing in newspapers and magazines. So hopefully, that was helpful. And share it. Share it with someone who's never listened to podcasts before. And uh, maybe they'll get something out of it. All right, folks, uh, that's it for episode 
164. We'll be back next week. We'll talk to you then.